Amen. Amen. Good morning, church family. Good morning. You guys are quiet. First service gets up earlier and they're louder. Let's try again. Good morning, church family. Oh, that's better. I just want to make sure you're all awake. My name is Jason. I'm the uh, outreach director here at LBC, and we're so glad that you came. If you are visiting with us this morning, uh, we would really love to get to know you. Thanks for coming. We have a, a welcome kiosk right outside the lobby here uh, underneath the Reach Bakersfield banner. So stop by there. No pressure. We just want to give you a little gift and say thanks for coming and uh, get a chance to get to meet you. So, um, man, isn't it a privilege to be able to get together and fellowship and uh, sing God's praises together? Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's it's a privilege. It's a privilege. So... Um, this morning, we have a treat for you. Last week, you got to hear from Pastor Brian Murphy, if you were here, and uh, it was a two-part session, so both services were different, and uh, it was great on reaching the nations and uh, how our God is a missionary God. If you weren't here for that, uh, we, I encourage you to go online. You can go online. You can listen to both services. It's two, so make sure you catch both of them. They were excellent and challenging. But today, what we're going to talk about is reaching Bakersfield. So the Great Commission is from here out, right? So we've got a responsibility and a privilege to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people around us, people right here in our location. And for believers, it's not really an option. You know, it's, uh, it's not extra credit. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the sermons from last week and you'll, you'll get what I'm saying. So uh, before Pastor Andy comes up to preach, um, we have... Four ministries uh, representatives that are here with us this morning. We're so glad to have them. And uh, Jill Morrison is going to ask them a few questions just about their their ministries and how they're reaching Bakersfield for Jesus Christ and how you can get involved in that. So um, I encourage you to make sure you stop at their tables. This is just a taste in here, a quick synopsis of what what they do. But you can get more information out in the courtyard. Stop by their tables. We, uh, we actually have donuts at their tables. So um, I was thinking when I was picking those up this morning, I was like, man, we don't have a keto option. We don't have a gluten-free option. So I apologize for that. But, uh, but we do have a low-calorie option. We have donut holes out there as well. So anyway, keep that in mind. So with that, I'll let Jill go ahead and take it over and ask those questions. Thank you for coming. All right. Good morning. So we have four ministries here. We're going to start with Abraham representing Tuesday Night Ministry. Good morning. All right. Our first question for you is, what does your ministry do? Uh, last, during the first service, I gave a little lengthy answer. I'm trying to reduce that today so that I can speak a little bit more uh, towards the last question. What we do? We proclaim the redemption story to people who need to hear the gospel. That's what we do. Uh, the, we have the same attitude of the four lepers we find in 2 Samuel chapter 7 when they found, unexpectedly found food and a lot of other stuff. Thought to keep it for themselves and then they said, we are doing wrong. Today we have good news, but we are silent. If we wait until the sun comes up, we will be punished. Now let's go and tell the people who live in the king's palace. That's what we do every Tuesday night. All right. Can you speak to us a little bit about your vision and what do you hope to accomplish through your ministry? Sure. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ gave two commandments to his disciples. One, just before he died, during the Last Supper, that was to remember him uh, through the elements of the bread and the cup. And the second was just before his ascension to heaven. He said, you will be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit and you will be my disciples in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. That is the desire we have. That is the vision we have to be in the city, to reach out and be God's disciples and make others disciples. Now, what our plan is to become People who would share God's word through our lives and through by providing a, a meal every Tuesday night to the homeless population at the, at the mission of Kern. Now we have a fourfold goal. The first one is to provide an opportunity 
for believers who are homeless to gather together in their own comfortable setting to listen to God's word and to worship together and also an opportunity for those who do not know the gospel who have not yet accepted the Lord as their savior to hear the gospel and have an opportunity to make a decision for the, for Christ the second is we are also offering an opportunity for believers to get involved in this great commission which God has called us thirdly we are creating a platform for young and old to come and be involved in sharing their testimony of what God has done to them so that people will hear your story and listen to God's word we are also giving an opportunity for people to be trained to be speakers of God's word to stand up behind a podium and share God's word fourthly we are also providing a platform for parents to bring their children and be uh, and to model the model uh, God's goodness and graciousness and love for their children as they serve the homeless population all right so how does your ministry meet people's tangible needs while also pointing them to Jesus Christ yeah we provide a meal every Tuesday night uh, that is the tangible uh, thing that we do uh, and also share the word we spend time with them have fellowship with them so that they feel that they are loved and they're wanted and that's one thing they don't have usually and then can you tell us ways that our church family can help you and what are some of your needs we have a lot of needs we do not want anybody's money we are not raising funds what we need is volunteers volunteers who are willing to pray uh, volunteers who are willing to come and serve volunteers who are willing to cook some food and bring it a hot meal once a week maybe once uh, once a month maybe once in two months maybe once in three months and if there are people saying well we have a home group on tuesday get your home group involved come once a month or once in two months and come and serve and we also want people who are willing as i said earlier to give the testimonies to who can come and share the gospel or take a bible study we also welcome them um we are also needing a lot of supplies uh basically the volunteers bring it and we will let you know if you have we have, when we have the needs and you have the opportunity to take part in it uh we have a sign up sheet outside please go into the booth and sign up if you would like to be part of this and take a small pamphlet with what we have it gives you the details of the ministry that we involve in thank you all right thank you tuesday night ministry All right, next we have Wade representing Youth for Christ. Thanks for the honor to be here. By the way, not all churches get this, so really honored to be here this morning. All right, can you tell us a little bit about what your ministry does? Uh, so Youth for Christ, uh, we're evangelical outreach ministry. So everything we do is to reach the lost, uh, 18 to 12 through 18-year-old students. Um, we do that through three main ministries. Campus Life serves on middle school and high school campuses where every four to five weeks we're gonna be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ on school campuses. Uh, Parent Life serves pregnant and uh, parenting teens through a mentorship program, a weekly program where they're gonna meet and care for each other. And then a juvenile justice ministry where we're gonna go into uh, uh, institutions and serve incarcerated youth and meet at-risk youth uh, we also have three other programs, uh, Project Serve, which helps students figure out how to serve the community past that 18-year-old mark, uh, a dirt bike ministry where we get to offer to ride dirt bikes with students. It's kind of an easy draw. And then camp, we, uh, we offer a camp, so we actually own our own camp now, and we're able to offer camps for a week-long camp for $25 for students. So obviously we serve uh, a, a lower socioeconomic um, student, and that's a pretty incredible place to, to meet Jesus. All right. What is your vision and what do you hope to accomplish through your ministry? So our official vision statement says something like this, to mobilize caring adults and student leaders in order to meet the physical, social, mental, and spiritual needs of every young person in Kern County through collaboration and partnership with the local churches, schools, institutions, and community programs. All that to say uh, that we meet students where they're at in order to build relationships with them, to introduce them to Jesus and get them connected to the local church. 
And then how does your ministry meet people's tangible needs while also pointing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, in our three core ministries, tangibly, we're going to meet with students in campus life and to figure out what they need. Sometimes that means they need food. Uh, sometimes that just means that they need advice, and we're going to try to provide that. Parent life, um, every time a student comes to any activity that Parent Life runs, uh, they're going to earn some money that they can use, not real money, uh, baby bucks that they can turn into uh, baby wipes or diapers or bottles or clothing. Uh, and then also our Parent Life ministry is going to meet with the teen uh, parents once a week uh, for a family meal. Our juvenile justice ministry meets the social needs of incarcerated youth by going into the institutions for a weekly Bible study. And they also, um, something that's really cool is they allow us to come in during Christmas time and actually provide gifts uh, for the students. Some, some students that wouldn't even have a, a visitor otherwise, uh, we can come and share about Jesus Christ. And then what are some ways that our church family can help you and what are some of your needs? Uh, so the three main, three biggies, uh, prayer, every single one of our ministry sites, we build a prayer team specifically for that ministry site uh, in the hopes and the goal is for uh, those students to be prayed for by name. Um, prayer is, is such a, a needed thing for our ministry. Volunteers, um, if, if you're at all interested in the ministry of Youth for Christ, we have, um, you can get involved at any level. Um, so we have a uh, ministry team that meets just to stuff envelopes. We have on-campus middle-of-the-day uh, ministry, which, by the way, not everybody's free during the middle of the day. So if you're interested in this ministry and you're free during the middle of the day, please come and chat with me. Um, and then uh, weekends and, and evenings, we have our Parent Life Ministry and our Juvenile Justice Ministry. So we need volunteers to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. And then uh, financial support. Um, ministry costs money. And uh, for us, we, we kind of break down the numbers, and, and it's the easiest way to point this way is to say, um, for every $25 monthly sponsor that we have, we can reach one more law student. Um, almost 90% of our budget goes just to paying uh, domestic missionaries like myself so that we can go out on school campuses in the community to share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Youth for Christ. All right, next we have the Bakersfield Pregnancy Center, and we have Erin representing them. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. All right, can you tell us a little bit about your ministry? Absolutely. The Bakersfield Pregnancy Center has existed for 35 years to provide individuals with life-affirming options regarding pregnancy and sexual health. All right, and your, your vision, what do you hope to accomplish through your ministry? I would turn to ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 16 to go with me to hear the story of a young girl who was forced into slavery, was put with a family, a family who was seeking to have their own child, a promise that God had given them and they thought they needed to help God. Never works out well. And in this, this young girl found herself with an unplanned pregnancy. Wasn't her plan, but here she is alone, pregnant in a wilderness far from the people she knew and loved. And it runs away from what has now become a hostile environment because of her pregnancy and finds herself alone in a desert. And there God meets her and he gives her a promise for her unborn son. First of all, he tells it's his son. And they didn't have ultrasound then, so that was kind of a big deal to know that in advance. And then he says that this child will be a wild donkey of a man. Doesn't sound like a good promise. But when you lived where she lived and in the time that she did, she needed to know that her son would survive, that he would be a conqueror. And I can identify with her because when my son became a Marine, I suddenly didn't want him to be a nice Christian young man. I wanted him to be a mighty warrior because when he went to Iraq, I wanted him to come home. And so she encountered a God who saw her. And in fact, that is what she said afterwards. I have met the God who sees me. God saw her in her moment of need. He saw her in her trouble. And he said, I'm there with you. And that is exactly what we desire at the Bakersfield Pregnancy Center for the pregnant girl, for the soon-to-be dad to come in and encounter the God who sees them. How does your ministry meet people's tangible needs while also pointing them to Jesus Christ? 
We meet those tangible needs by providing free services. All of our services are free and confidential. We provide free medical verification of pregnancy, free ultrasounds in that first trimester to establish a viable pregnancy. We provide advocacy for both the women and the men, parenting classes where they can earn baby bucks to buy things for their baby, a baby shower in their, third in their last trimester, a layout box filled with things for their new baby. And then we come alongside them. We walk the journey with them. And we also provide free STI testing and treatment because pregnancy is not the only thing that can happen when you're having sex that you shouldn't be having. And so we meet that need as well. And then what are ways that our church family can help you? And what are some of your needs? Well, our number one need is you. We need people who are unafraid. Luke chapter 1, verse 79 or 74 says that our Savior came in order to bring us salvation so that we would be freed from our enemies and we could serve God without fear. The state of California wants to push abortion, make us an abortion sanctuary. We have an enemy out there and it is the state. But we need fearless warriors who will be advocates for our clients, nurses who will do our medical services, male advocates who will meet with that father to be and tell him he can do this. We need mobile drivers and we even need people that will just help take care of our facility. Our um, garden area tends to get neglected. And so if you're a gardener and you like to trim trees and hedge bushes, we could use you. But we want you to step forward and know that you can serve God at the Bakersfield Pregnancy Center without fear. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that if you become an advocate, you won't have enough time? God says, I am in control of the time. Don't worry. Are you afraid someone might know your secret you've been keeping? God says, surrender your secret. We understand at the Bakersfield Pregnancy Center where you have been, and we can provide healing for that. Are you afraid? of encountering and stepping into the mess of someone else's life. God is a God of compassion, help, and hope. And we're going to give you the tools to meet those needs for those clients. Don't be afraid. Step forward and serve. Thank you. Thank you. Bakersfield Pregnancy Center. And we have Dave um, representing the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Hi. All right. Tell us a little bit about your ministry. Well, there's a lot to tell. Um, I actually put notes down on my phone just now, but uh, I think if I read them, I'll get distracted. We do a lot. Um, we have campus ministries. They, they're called huddles where we invite uh, a student athlete and a coach to take the platform and that FCA provides and, and give them an opportunity to lead and share about their faith with their peers. It's also for the non-athlete. Um, you don't have to be an athlete to be part of it. We ask that a student athlete run it with the help of a teacher or a coach in the school. We have camps up at Hume Lake. We actually partner with Hume in May. The last four weekends of May, we run a camp for football teams throughout Central Valley. So 32 teams are going to come from as far away as San Francisco and Palm Desert and even Reno, Nevada. Um, 1,600 athletes are coming. Uh, representing 32 high schools. Um, we also do a coach's Bible study that I've been leading for the last 15 years. I counsel and mentor coaches. I disciple coaches. I work with coaches and, and teachers also that are going through hard times with, you name it, everything from addiction to divorce to marriage counseling. And there's a lot more, but go ahead. All right. What is the vision for your ministry and what do you hope to accomplish? So the, I think the mission and vision statement are going to be up there right now. And I told the last service, I, I don't like to read things to people because I think you can read that. We have a very broad vision and mission. It is international. Um, but my local vision would be that every athlete and every coach and every student that we encounter in whatever we do, whether it be our clay shoots, even our shooters, whether it be a banquet that we have or a campus huddle, that everybody has the opportunity to hear clearly the gospel, that it is articulated in such a way that everyone would have the opportunity to either accept it or reject it, and that our work is really to present it, and we trust the Holy Spirit to work when we're gone. I also want to be able to provide a Bible to anybody that needs one or wants one, 
We've given out 40,000 Bibles already in the last 16 years to basically high school students and coaches. We just sent 1,100 Bibles to American Samoa. A short story a guy I played football with in college called me and said, hey, I moved to Samoa. I want to start eight high school huddles on the islands. I need your help. And I said, well, what do you want? I go, dream big. He goes, I want 1,000 Bibles. So our banquet raised 14,000 just for that. And we just shipped off uh, those Bibles and they landed last week. So we're excited to see what's going on with that. How does your ministry meet people's tangible needs while also pointing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's a good question. Um, tangible. What's more tangible than being able to give somebody that doesn't have a Bible their first Bible? What's more tangible than, than showing people what Christ has done for them on the cross and how they can live a life completely different than what the world is selling them? We get to do that through FCA. Tangibly, it's a safe place on a campus for a student to come that may never step foot in a church. We find that we might have Bible clubs on campuses, but athletes typically don't go. There's also the non-believer that just says, I don't know anything about church. I'm not going to church. But my friend who's an athlete invited me to come, so I'll come because I know the coach or the teacher. They're nice. And it, it, so we get that, right? So that's tangible. Uh, we do provide camp experiences, like I mentioned. We'll give camp scholarships when needed. We provide resources for coaches and athletes that are leading the FCAs. Um, it, there's just there's a lot more than, than I have four minutes to talk about. <laughs> and what are ways that our church family can help you, and what are some of your needs? So this is what I forgot uh, last service, and I, uh, I, I had four things, and I forgot the fourth one, so I wrote some down. Um, obviously, you know, he mentioned that we're domestic missionaries and we are missionaries. We rely solely on the gifts of people like you, churches and businesses to fund, not just the ministry, but to allow me to do this full time. And, uh, God's blessed us. We've been doing this, uh, 14 years full time and he's taken care of us. So that's one thing financially. And I always hate mentioning that because it's like, you always hear that, but literally that's, that's what runs this ministry. That's what provides Bibles for anywhere that wants them or camp and all that stuff. Um, prayer is obviously, I think, the number one thing for all of us because everybody can pray. A uh, long time ago, I was challenged to ask people to pray when you drive by a high school. So I'm going to ask you guys, you want to pray for FCA, pray for ministry, pray for people. Anytime you pass by a school, I challenge you to pray for them. Pray for the coaches, the teachers, and the students, and the athletes that are there, and pray that maybe FCA may get there someday if we're not already there. Um, the third thing, oh, coffee. We have coffee now. We partner with Bakersfield Roasting Company. They give us their coffee at a discount price and we sell it. So we have it out there, but all the proceeds from our coffee sales go to provide Bibles for athletes and coaches. So we have a one pound bag out there. It's $20, but you buy a bag of coffee and you're going to donate a Bible to an athlete or a coach. And we're getting ready to order probably probably another thousand Bibles to take with us to Hume Lake to give to any athlete that wants them when they get there. And most of those schools that go there are, um, they're public schools, so they don't hear the gospel very often. And a lot of times it's their first Bible they ever get. Um, let me look real quick. Okay. The other thing I was going to mention that I forgot, if you are a teacher or a, or a coach at a school and that school may not have an FCA, please come talk to me about how you might want to start an FCA on campus. If, you're, if they already have one, I challenge you to get involved in it and help out the teacher and the coach that are running it. And if you're a parent, if you have an FCA at your school, maybe one day you could just call the FCA guy and say, hey, could we provide pizzas for the FCA huddle this week? Um, but constantly pray for us. Uh, pray for all of us up here. The Lord's called us to ministry, and sometimes it's fun and, and good. A lot of times it's hard. Um, but we're also grateful for what God's called us to. And and again, grateful for the church to allow us to speak because this doesn't usually happen. Thank you. Thank you. FCA. All right. So as we close, I just want to remind you to go visit their booths outside. They will be um, out there after service um, where you can gather some more information and pick up a donut as well. Thank you.
All right, and as they're stepping off stage, open up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to do a shorter sermon this morning. And uh, we're just so thankful for our friends who came and shared with us this morning. But if you're using one of the Bibles in the seat rack in front of you, it is page 908. Page 908. And I just appreciate these guys. You know, um, I just met Wade this morning, but I know the other three. And um, they as individuals and also their ministries are great ambassadors for Christ. Uh, they represent Christ well uh, in their life, the way they live and their character, their conduct, their integrity. Um, they represent Christ well with uh, the words they speak, um, with uh, being open to share the gospel. And that's something that I have been so encouraged by, uh, that as I've gotten to know these different ministries and those who run it, they really want to make sure it's not just a, a time to have fun with people, but it's also a time to get down and let's, let's see what, what does God have to say about this? How do we come to know Christ as Savior and Lord? So they're great ambassadors and examples to us of being ambassadors for Christ. And this morning we're going to talk about uh, for a few moments here what it means to be an ambassador for Christ because that's what God has called us to be as his people, as ambassadors of Christ. So would you read with me at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, and I'm going to read to you uh, something that God had Paul write in this letter to the church in Corinth and to see what it means to us today. So 1 Corinthians 5, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, starting in chapter uh, 5, verse 17. God says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, that is, their sins, against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he, that's the Father, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Can anyone say amen to that? So let's take a look this morning. Is what, what does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? Um, is it true that there are people in Bakersfield, California, in Kern County, who really don't know Jesus Christ? Is that true? Is it true that some people may have heard about Jesus, but don't really understand the gospel here in Kern County? Is that true, do you think? It's absolutely true. Uh, we talked last week about the great need that there is overseas for people to know Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? The need is just as great here. Obviously, there are people who have never heard over there, which we need to prioritize getting over there. But while we're here, it's just as important that people get to know and hear about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Is that right? And, and we get to be ambassadors. And I think these ministries, as I said, are great examples of being ambassadors here in Bakersfield. And we can join them. God has called us to join either them in ministry, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, to share the good news of Christ, to be ambassadors of Christ. So let's look at how we can reach people in Bakersfield and Kern County uh, with the gospel of Christ as his ambassadors. We're going to look at three ways to do that this morning. The first way is this, is to simply know, to know what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. We can't really be an ambassador unless we know what it means. So let's take a look at what it means this morning as God calls us ambassadors for Christ. Uh, first of all, what, what is an ambassador, right? Uh, so an ambassador, of course, is a, a man or woman who lives in another country representing the government that he is from to that other country uh, to speak whatever the president or prime minister would have him to say to that nation and to that country. Here's a definition of an ambassador. Um, an ambassador is an official representative and messenger of the leader of his or her own nation in a foreign land. Um, so I was looking um, on the internet is how many countries does America have ambassadors in? It's almost every country in the world we have an ambassador uh, for our nation in that nation. Uh, I was just curious about Israel and who was the ambassador to Israel. Well, his name is Thomas Nides. So Thomas Nides is from the U.S. He's living in Israel, specifically in Jerusalem. 
And, and he is the ambassador for the U.S. to uh, the people of Israel, especially to the government there. He, he represents the United States government and he speaks for the United States government there in the land of Israel. And, and, you know, you think, okay, well, how similar were ambassadors back in Paul's day to what they are now? Very similar. Uh, both today and then, uh, one of their major roles was to represent the nation that they were from to the nation that they were in, and also to speak for uh, their leader, their king, or whoever was in charge um, to the nation that they were in and to the people of that nation and that, that government as well. And so then, if an ambassador is someone who speaks for their government, if an ambassador is someone who represents their government, what is a, an ambassador for Christ? Here's a little definition up on the screen if you want to write that down. It's an ambassador for Christ is a believer who represents and speaks on behalf of our King, Jesus. Uh, we have the King of Kings. We have the Lord of Lords. And he has sent us to a foreign nation uh, called this world um, to be his representatives, to be his spokespersons, to be his ambassadors. Uh, so this morning, we're looking at how can we be a, a kind of ambassador that leads people here in Bakersfield, here in Kern County, to faith in Jesus Christ. We need to know what that is. We need to know what it is to be an ambassador. Secondly, if you're following the notes, how can we do this? As ambassadors of Christ, we need to accurately represent Jesus Christ to the people of this county, to the people of this city. Is that right? We need to accurately represent who Jesus is. Um, that is to show people what he's like. In Israel, if, if somebody wants to know what is the American government like, the first thing they, they probably would do is go to look at Thomas Nides. What is he like? How does he live? How does he treat people? Is he a person of integrity? Can we trust this person? Does he speak the truth? They would go and look at the representative of the United States to understand what the United States was like. And here's an overwhelming factor. And this week, I, I just... Was, was struck with a, a major sense of inadequacy thinking about this. But the same is the fact with us. That if somebody wants to know what is Jesus like, they can't go and talk to him. They can't go and see him. They're to look at us, right? The Bible is clear. We are to be examples of Christ. We are to represent Christ. We are to be the light to the world, right? And man, how much I fall short of that. I am a sinner, I'm from a small town, from a family that's, you know, not noble or anything. I'm just a normal guy. And here I am, I'm a representative of Christ. And same with you all. Each one of us have, have that mantle. What a great and awesome responsibility that is. To have that mantle of we are ambassadors for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When someone wants to know what is Jesus like, how would he treat people, how would he talk, they look at us and they see. Thankfully, there's forgiveness from Christ when we fail, because I fail him almost every day. But he calls us to be his representatives, just like Thomas Nides is in Israel for the United States. Um, and, we, and we see some good news here, though. We see some good news because in and of myself, I am a sinner. I have the sinful nature. I fall short. I fail. But when I became a Christian, when you became a Christian, a follower of Christ, God did something miraculous within us. He made us new. Take a look at verse 17. That's where we start here. Verse 17, uh, God says through the Apostle Paul, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, all of us are in Christ if we're believers in Christ. We are in him. He is or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I no longer come to somebody with just, here I am, Andy Middlecoff, with my old sinful nature. No, I have a new life that he's given us, the Holy Spirit he's given us, a new birth so that we have the power and the wisdom and the desire to represent and reflect who God is, who Christ truly is to the world. So we don't need to think, oh, it's all on my shoulders. No, God, please, I need your help today. Give me the power, give me the strength, give me the reminders, give me the desire to represent you well to the people in my house, to the people in my neighborhood, to the people where I work, to the people wherever I go, in my school, help me represent you well. And the awesome thing is there in verse 17 when he says he's made us a new creation. At the moment that we trusted that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead and said, I want to follow you now, Jesus. I no longer want to live for myself. I want to live for you. At that moment, a flood 
of amazing things happen in our hearts, in our lives. We couldn't see it, but God did it within us. One of those was the Holy Spirit began to live within us. One of those is we were completely and totally forgiven for every sin in our lives. Another one is that he made us a child of God. Another one is that he made us a citizen of heaven. And take a look at that last one, the citizen of heaven up on the screen. Philippians 3.20, I appreciate the Apostle Paul sharing that with us. He says this, but our citizenship as believers in Christ, as children of God, our citizenship is in what? It's in what? Your citizenship, my citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So oftentimes, we kind of think of America as God's country, right? Like we're the new Israel. Well, the fact is, is that we're just as corrupt and backwards as any other country in the world, and we need Jesus Christ just as much as any other country in the world. And I hate to break that to you if you didn't realize it. And it's getting worse every day. And so this country, just like anywhere else, needs representatives, needs ambassadors for Christ. It's not just going to a foreign land that makes you an ambassador. We are in a foreign land because our true home is heaven. Heaven is our true home. We are not of this world. We are in this world, but we are now of heaven. The moment we trust in Jesus Christ, we become citizens of heaven. And now we represent him here. We're temporary residents in the United States of America or wherever you may live on this planet. We're only temporary residents. So let me ask this question. Let's ask ourselves. I'm going to ask myself, you ask yourself these two questions about being a representative of Christ. Ask yourself, how am I doing representing Jesus to the people in my life? How am I doing? Whether it's in your home, um, in your neighborhood, where you work, where you go to school, where you go to church, uh, when you're out in the community doing your thing, how am I doing representing Jesus? Am I showing them an accurate picture? That's the next question. An accurate picture of who Jesus is and what he's like. God help us do that. So how can we, as God's ambassadors here in Bakersfield, California, in Kern County, how can we represent Christ well and reach them to follow Jesus as his ambassadors? Thirdly, not only do we represent him, we also need to tell. That's the next fill in the blank there if you're following the notes. Faithfully tell people the good news about Christ. So Thomas Snides, as, as our representative uh, to Israel, he not only represents America in his, the way he lives his life, his integrity, his actions, but also in his words. He needs to speak whatever message the government gives him to speak to the people of Israel. Imagine if, if Thomas Nides was there and he said, no, I'm not going to speak. I, I disagree with that message. I'm not going to speak it to the people of Israel. I'm just going to represent by my lifestyle uh, America to the, the Israelis. I'm not going to speak the message that my president gives me. How long would he have that job? Not long. No, he wouldn't have it very long. So as believers in Christ, we are ambassadors of Christ. He's given us two responsibilities with that. is to represent him in the way that we live, with our integrity, our character, our good deeds, our good works. And secondly, to speak up the message that he's given us. He's given us a message to speak. He has a message that he wants the people of Bakersfield to have an opportunity to hear and to understand and to take to heart. And what is that message? Well, he tells us here uh, in, in verses 19 through 20 what that message is and that he calls us to speak it. He calls us to tell it to the people in Bakersfield. Look at verse 18. He says, all this is from God. In other words, becoming a new, creature, a new creation in Christ. It's from God. It's a gift from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what is that? Verse 19, it says, that is, in other words, let me explain it to you. It says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, their sins against them. Can anyone say amen to that? And, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The ministry in verse 18, the ministry of reconciliation, he explains what it is in verse 19. He says it's the message of reconciliation. And he goes on in verse 19 to tell us that, no, verse 20, that, that, that he has called us to make an appeal on his behalf. Take a look at verse 20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Listen, God making his appeal through us. God has a message. He wants to make his appeal through you 
and through me to the people of Bakersfield with the message of reconciliation. Now, whenever I come across a, a big theological word, word like reconciliation, I want to pause and think about what that means, especially because it's repeated five times right here in four verses. When God wants to emphasize a point, he repeats himself. So he does it five times here. The idea is God wants to be reconciled with us. And the idea is with reconciliation, there's a broken relationship that needs to be restored. There's two that are enemies that need to have peace. And God says that's why Christ came. That's what Christ did by dying for us and rising from the dead was to bring peace between us and the Heavenly Father. Can anyone say thank you, Jesus, for that? Man, thank you, Jesus, for that. And I don't know about you, but um, when I'm in a relationship with somebody who I care about and the relationship is a bit broken, when we, when we finally come back together and things are, things are at peace once again, it feels so good, doesn't it? And remember with me, when, when you first uh, became reconciled to God, when you first understood the good news of Christ and you believed it and you received it and you said, I want to follow you now, Jesus, what a joy that was, wasn't it? To have that reconciliation with God. And our message of reconciliation is a reconciliation with God. You see that in verse 18. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to who? He reconciled us. What does it say there in verse 18? He reconciled us to who? Yeah, to God, to himself. Um, often people say, well, the message of reconciliation is people being reconciled together. Well, that, that does, thank the Lord, happen through the gospel, but primarily this is a reconciliation with God himself. It's being made right with God. In, in what does this mean? It means that at one point, without Christ, we were enemies with God. And that's really hard to hear. Because we are like, well, I'm a pretty good person. How could I be an enemy with God? Right? Well, take a look at this verse up on the screen. He tells us that we were enemies with God, but that Christ, through his death and resurrection, reconciled us. Romans 5.10, God, through the apostle Paul, says, For if while we were enemies, meaning enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, that's Jesus, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. That's by his resurrection. So we were enemies with God, but by Christ's death and resurrection in our faith, our trust in what Jesus did by dying for us and rising from the dead, that broken relationship with God has been restored. What a great message. You know, when I think about it, throughout history, many kings and presidents and prime ministers have given messages to their ambassadors to speak to whatever nation they're in. And some of those messages have probably been great messages. Some of those messages have probably been terrible messages, right? But think of us. We have the greatest, the best message that our king, the king of the universe, the king of kings has given to us to share with the people of this world, to share with the people of Bakersfield. Isn't that awesome? It's the best possible message. No wonder it's called the good news, right? It's not just good news, it's great news. It's the best possible news ever. And, and God summarizes it for us here in verse 21. Now, this is a verse that I've used with a lot of people who don't know the Lord, and it's a great a springboard for a good conversation about why Christ died on the cross for us. So I'd encourage you to use it. Verse 21, take a look at it with me. Here's the message of reconciliation in one verse. He says, for our sake, he, that's the Father, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Knew no sin meaning he never sinned so that in him, that's in Jesus, we, the enemies of God, might become the righteousness of God. Let me, let me break this down for a minute. Uh, notice how in verse 21 he says, for our sake. That's love. That's agape love of the Bible. It's doing something for somebody else, sacrificing yourself for the benefit of somebody else. God doing this for us. He, the Father, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin. Notice it doesn't say to be sinful. Uh, the good news is Jesus was the one human that ever has lived and ever will live that is sinless, perfectly, completely, always has been, always will be. That's why it's backed up with who knew no sin, meaning he never did sin. But it says he became sin so that in him, in Christ, in our relationship with Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So uh, what does this mean? Well, take a look at 1 Peter 2, 24. Him being sin, being made sin. If he never sinned, how could he be made sin? 
Verse uh, 24 in chapter 2 of 1 Peter says this, He himself, that's Jesus, bore our sin. Not his sin, he didn't have any. Bore our sin, that's mine, that's yours, that's the people from before Christ died on the cross till after Christ died on the cross. Bore our sin on the tree, that is the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, by Jesus' wounds, you have been healed. One way that I explain this to people, and, and this is um, something I learned a long time ago. You can uh, use this with, with anyone you can think of, but let's just say that this represents your sin, okay? And I know if, if you're being honest with me, you'd have about 20 more of these books stacked up here, right? But as we're thumbing through this, if you just want to, just with me, just uh, imagine that each one of these um, definitions in here is, is a, a list of one of your sins that you did um, in your life that you're going to do. And so let's say that this is you. And, and this is your sin. So when God looks upon you, what does he see? He sees your sin. Yeah, he sees your sin. And because of that, you're an enemy of God. Because whether you realize it or not, you have sinned way more than you could ever realize, way more than you'd ever like to admit, and he sees it all. He knows every thought, every desire, every word, every action, every day of your entire life. And it's all, he sees that upon you. And so that makes us enemies with God. Because when we break God's, when we sin, we're, we're breaking God's laws. Whether we realize it or not, we're sinning against God. We're offending God. And because of that, we must be ultimately punished by God with death and hell. So he, he sees that sin upon us. And let's say that, that this represents Jesus. Uh, this is his righteousness here. His righteousness meaning uh, his, his full rightness with the Father that there's no sin. He's perfect before him. So at the cross, when he was dying on the cross, as our perfectly righteous and holy Savior, he took all of our sin to the degree that the Bible says that he became sin. It didn't, he didn't sin himself, but with our sin, he took it upon himself and within himself at the cross. So then when we trust in him and believe that he did that for us, what does God see when, when he sees us? Okay, well, first of all, you're stealing my thunder here. Um, he, he, sees, he sees no sin because he forgives it. We receive perfect and total and complete and utter forgiveness for every sin that we've ever done when we trust in Jesus Christ. Amen to that? Okay, but not only that, the Bible says not only uh, does he take our sin and he becomes sin, we become his righteousness. He not only forgives our sins, but he also gives us his, right, his righteousness, that right relationship with his Father, that right standing with God, that perfection before God. He gives that to us. It's not ours. We couldn't earn it or deserve it. He gave it to us as a gift, his own righteousness to us. So that's why it says in that verse that we become his righteousness. And so now when God sees us, what does he see? He sees Christ's righteousness completely clothing us and enveloping us as his children of God. And he warmly embraces us. We who were enemies of God, rightly so, because of our sin, our offenses against the Heavenly Father, against our Creator, He forgives us utterly and completely and totally and gives us the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that the best message ever? Doesn't every individual in Bakersfield, in Kern County, need to hear this? Absolutely, absolutely. Let's be faithful ambassadors. Let's not keep silent. I, I really think that one of Satan's main um, lies to believers in Christ is this. Go and represent Jesus well all day long. I don't care about that. Just don't speak about him. You don't, the lie is you don't need to speak about him. The lie is you don't need to speak about him. The truth is, if we're ambassadors for Christ, which he's calling us to be ambassadors for Christ, is to represent him through our integrity, through our godly character, through our good works and good deeds, but then also to speak up and tell them why we're doing these good things, why we're different, what God has done for us, why we can have joy when the world is falling apart because Jesus Christ is our Savior, our Lord. He's forgiven us. He's given us a home in heaven. We're already citizens of, citizens of heaven if you didn't know that. So if you're a believer in Christ, I want to encourage you. We have these four ministries here as you're going out. They're not going to pressure you. Just go and ask for, for more information or how you can pray for them, how you can get involved in serving or giving. Pick one that you really enjoyed, one that, you, that maybe God was tugging on your heart as you heard them speaking and thinking, man, I'd like to see that ministry thrive more. See how you can get involved and, and take action with that. And outside of that, in your home, where you work, where you go to school, in your neighborhood, at our church, wherever you go, 
Let's be representatives of Christ who share the gospel, who speak up the message that Christ has given us. And before I close, I just want to give an opportunity. If if there's someone here this morning who's heard this and you're thinking, you know, I don't know if, if I'm right with God. I don't know if I have peace with God. I don't know if I've been reconciled with God. This morning you can do that. Christ has done all the work. When He died on that cross, He took all of our sins upon Himself to forgive us. And then three days later, He rose from the dead, literally bodily. His dead body rose from the grave to prove that He was the Son of God and not just some guru claiming to be someone special. Uh, He rose from the dead to prove that His death on the cross was everything we needed to be forgiven, that God accepted His death on the cross as perfect payment for our sins. He rose from the dead to prove that He would be with us every day for the rest of our lives in spirit and in truth. So he did the impossible to get our attention and to give us life. He died to forgive us, to make us right with his Father. And all we need to do is say, okay, I trust that that is what I need. I can't can't forgive my own sins. I can't make myself right with God. I can't do enough good works. I still have all those sins that I've done that I've offended God with. I can't make those clean myself. So I'm going to trust that Jesus' death on the cross was everything I need. So saying, I believe that. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I want to live for you, Jesus. Jesus did all the hard work, but let me tell you something. Being a Christian is also hard. And it's you have to count the cost. You have to think ahead of time. Do I really want to start obeying Jesus? Because that's what he's calling us to. It's a new life. But the good news is this, is when we believe in Jesus, he gives us a spirit, which gives us a desire to live for him and obey him. Uh, The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to obey him. But he does call us to a life of obedience and trust to Jesus in our day-by-day lives. Would any of you this morning who have not yet been reconciled to God like to begin to be reconciled to God? That's the question. Would you like to be right with God this morning? Would you like to have peace with God this morning? If so, uh, here's one way to express that faith in Him is to pray. Pray something like this. Follow along with me. Father, thank You that You love me and that You want me to be right with You. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I believe that this morning. I need that this morning. Uh, Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead. I believe that too, and I need that too. Lord, may your spirit uh, live within me. Uh, Give me the desire to live for you. Uh, Thank you for the gift of heaven. Thank you for eternal life. From this day forward, I want to live for you and with you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, this morning, if, if you prayed that and, and that was a sincere desire on your heart, then the Bible says that you are forgiven, that you are reconciled to God. Um, and what he would want you to do is to find somebody who you know that does have a relationship with Jesus, that is following Jesus. Talk to them about it. Ask them, how do I grow in my faith? How do I get stronger and learn and, and become a follower of Christ? So. Thanks so much, and I think we ought to worship the Lord. Does that sound good? Amen.